listening to the Testudo Times Podcast, the official podcast of SB Nation's Maryland Terrapins Colossus. Welcome to episode 104 of the Testudo Times Podcast, where you're probably going to go to watch Maryland play Wisconsin for Red Panda with DJ Durkin. I'm certainly, if I was down there, I wouldn't go to watch the basketball. I'd go for the halftime show. Aren't you going to do that, Thomas, even though you're going to be there already? Yeah, no, I'm there to write about the halftime show, and then also there's a basketball game going on. I mean, are you really going to – it's Super Bowl Sunday that day, of course. Uh, normally, when I cover games in Maryland, I just go back into the, the press room and chat for about 10 minutes before I'd come back out. But with this – I mean, Red Panda with DJ, what could possibly happen with that? I am so intrigued. Yeah, same. I mean, I I saw this, and Red Panda is such a novelty, but, you know, I've never seen her in person. I've never seen that thing in person, only on television. And so for me to be in the building and just to see it happen and see how high the bowls go, that's – I am, like – Way more excited than I could be about. Well, I like, would be excited sports. anyway, and then DJ Durkin gets involved. So I don't know how DJ Durkin's going to get involved. Is, um, yeah, I, you know, Jared and I were talking about this, and then he ended up putting it in the story. Um, it was like, is is she is he going to be on a unicycle? Is is he going to uh, get flipped? I want to see that onto her head. See that. <laughs> or is he just going to like stand and watch? Yeah, or. Or he might throw her the bowls, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. or throw um, a football on top of it. Maybe he'll bring in Matt Canada, and there will be some, like, pre-throw motion. Um, some pre-throw and... motion? Yeah, so- something of the sort. Uh, you, you see, here's what's funny about Red Panda. Is normally, in, like, 20 years ago, all that she would be, because we didn't have really the internet to the way we have it now, is she'd just be a silly, stupid talent segment on Letterman. That's all that it would be, and you'd forget about it the next day. But yeah, now, on Letterman the or internet, uh, I don't I don't know how long like her show can be. I don't know if she's long enough for Vegas, but I think that's what you know acts like that have had a spot in Vegas for a long time. But I don't know if she has like a long enough act to do that. And so instead, she's just become like the halftime performer, and everywhere she goes, you know, she just does her thing, nails it, and it's incredible. And then when she she failed once, and everybody was like the saddest people. They like they just saw a puppy die. <laughs> it was really funny, like cause cause when you see these acts, it's like they do these incredible things and they do it a hundred percent right all the time. And then the one time they get it wrong, it's like oh my god, really? Yeah, it's um. If if she fails on uh, what is the Super Bowl Sunday against Wisconsin, that's a metaphor for Maryland basketball, unfortunately. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's like one of those when you go on um like top thrill dragster cedar point king cut um six flags in jersey like yeah, yeah, those yeah, yeah. those are the roller coasters that'll occasionally like they won't reach the top and they'll have to in the like roll back yep like it's it's a rare thing that happens i feel like that's what this is is that you get to go in there and you get to say hey i saw her mess up yeah you know? Well, actually, I don't know. Going up top of to a what, like a four hundred foot roller coaster and falling back down, honestly, would be terrifying to me. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing is when they do that, they just like go again, it, and then they really get up the second they just time. Keep going, but I don't know if you break the pots and you break the bowls, 
Not sure it's going to be easy to, you know, do it again. Yeah, that's the one part of it, so. It's, it's, it's so funny. But, okay, we've spent four minutes talking about Red Panda because we don't actually want to talk about Maryland basketball, though we kind of have to. It's a Maryland sports podcast. You can understand why. Uh, last night, we recorded this Tuesday afternoon, of course, uh, we are uh, watching Maryland, Indiana, and there's a women's game going on at the same time, but most of us were watching the men's game first. That was a stupid game. There was a lot of dumb in that game, and the game got progressively dumber as the season went on. It was really, really weird. I think Maryland games in general have gotten dumber as seasons have gone on, and this is the dumbest Maryland game since, well, Illinois. Illinois was the dumbest Maryland game I've seen in a long time. This one got um, close, though. This, this one got one, close. This one had some stuff. It didn't have, like... Daryl Morcel touching his own inbound doesn't qualify? <laughs> That was as dumb as I've ever seen anything in basketball. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Maryland did so many things that you can maybe survive one or two of them, but they did like 10 things. And they still had a chance to win the game. Yeah. You know, it's uh, Anthony Cowan, like two for 12 in the seven in the second half. They, they turned the ball over more than they have in a while. I think we need to talk about how frustrated he was getting because the poor guy, he realized after Bruno Fernando went out that he was going to have to do every single thing himself in order for Maryland to win. And it was pretty clear that Indiana game plan to stop him. And he just couldn't do it all himself. And he, he was committing frustration foul after frustration foul. I've never seen Anthony Cowan look that frustrated. And he's now played, what, 50-plus games at Maryland? Yeah, I mean, he was... He's had as tough a time driving to the hoop as I've ever seen him have. You know, it's part of that is, you know, they were, they were, they had two guys, they, you know, had help. And so there were always like two guys there and they would go for the ball. Um, You know, I think it's reasonable to say that there were, you know, a couple of uncalled fouls there. Uh, Um, More than a few. I mean, yeah. I mean, I understand if you want to let them play soft, but you know, that, they, they, there were there were fouls. There were and, a lot of bad officiating and so last night too. When that, both ways. Yeah, I mean, the officiating didn't cost no. didn't cost Maryland that game. Um, no, not not compared did to not another football help another sporting event that I watched where officiating did cost the team a football game. Ahem. Anyway, go on. Yeah, um, I I my sincere condolences on um, AFC title game. Uh, yeah, that's... yeah, yeah. You feel more feel more sorry for Yannick Ngakwe than feel sorry for me. At the same time, though, he got a Pro Bowl like alternate out of that, which uh, he wouldn't yeah, get if they but... made it. Well, anyway, continue on with the basketball. We don't want to derail this conversation too much. <laughs> um, yeah, and so so they did all that, and then with the turnovers, um, yeah, they just Maryland had another chance to get a pretty good road win. Indiana, you know, record-wise isn't great, but they're now five and three in the Big Ten, um, and so to, and and of course Maryland has always struggled at Assembly Hall. Assembly Hall is always tough. They haven't won play. that in the Big Ten yet. Mm-hmm. And they had a chance, and they had several chances to, you know, get in that. Like they were up sixty-two fifty-seven, and then went on. Indiana went on a seven-zero run. Um, s- stuff like that. It was. You know, Maryland played its way into the loss column. And 
right after blowing the game against Michigan earlier in the year, they, you know, couldn't come through in a close road game against Syracuse. I mean, they've they have one road win this season. Yeah, and, and it was have the Illinois game. two wins outside of Xfinity Center. Yeah, the two wins outside of Xfinity Center were against Illinois and New Mexico. It was New, New Mexico, right? New, yeah. Not New Mexico State. No, it was New Mexico. I can understand yeah. how you get those teams mixed up. Well, New Mexico was really good for a little while. That that that's when it was clear, and now they're both kind of mediocre. Illinois is awful, and Illinois still doesn't have a win in the Big Ten. Yeah, and Maryland beat them by one after desperately trying to lose that game too. Mm-hmm. Ah, oh, boy. So so anyway, the long story short is Maryland has had chances to get road wins and has just blown them all so far. And for a team that's in a weaker conference this year, and on the um, just, just so many, and it's on the bubble to begin with because of its record and its lack of really good wins. Um, you know, a road win in assembly hall is still a pretty good win, no matter how good or bad Indiana is. Mm-hmm. And they were, they had a chance to get a win. And they did. And, and they I had think... a chance to win in spite of another Maryland injury because it's not just the angry Maryland quarterback hating God anymore. It's the angry Maryland sports hating God. At this point, take Justin Jackson, even Bender. That's bad enough. Take Bruno Fernando, and that's just evil. I, I wonder yeah, if we I mean, did in a past life to deserve this. <laughs> there is still no real timetable for Fernando. I haven't really gotten a diagnosis yet, at least as we record this. Some might come out in the next day or two. I mean, the only benefit um, of that is that Maryland is not playing again until Sunday. So there's a lot of time for him to recover if it's not a serious injury. Yeah. I mean, if he's, if he's out against Michigan state, then I mean, just that's, if he's that's out, out any length of time, fold the season up, skip the NIT. Yeah. I mean, and this is just the, basically the last part of the schedule where you can afford to be without him because Michigan state and Purdue are the two biggest teams in the conference. Well, and the two best teams in the anyway. anyway. Oh, no, no. Purdue turned into a bulldozer somewhere around, like, December 2nd, and they played Maryland on December 1st. Yep. So, that was that was something. If Maryland had actually pulled out that game, in hindsight... It would look so weird now. Yeah, it would I look know. so weird. It would be bizarre. But I, I think the thing that frustrated me with that game mostly is not that Maryland lost. I think it's this, the unforced errors to lose a game when a team just beats you that's one thing you know they lost at michigan state and ohio state and they just got flat beat they didn't play particularly well but they got flat beat you know in this game it wasn't like against michigan where they made one bad mistake and it cost them in this game they made a million bad mistakes and it cost them and yet they still had a chance to win and i understand you're getting frustrated if you're anthony cowan because he's getting hacked and not getting called for fouls we've seen that with mellow trimble before in the past uh, you don't have Bruno Fernando, so you now have no bigs whatsoever. And they had moments where Jared Dickens and Dion Wiley actually shot the basketball well, you know. And that's a rare animal at this point in their careers. So you think about all of that and that they couldn't pull out a win against, let's be honest, a mediocre Indiana team. And Jawan Morgan played very well, but uh, he had just injured his ankle two days earlier. So you got to be honest, like that's one that's going to sting. And the rest of their road games this year are against Purdue, no shot. Nebraska is going to be very difficult because they're actually not a bad team this year. Uh, Penn State and I think Northwestern is the only other road game that they have. 
you know, and it sets up for this game against Michigan State on Sunday. Hopefully, crossing your fingers, that Bruno Fernando is healthy. If they win, they have a chance to essentially reset their season because beating Michigan State is their first, like, true, holy crap, okay, that's a big top 10 win that they would get. And Michigan State has to play two days earlier and then go to College Park where Maryland's had a week off. That's a big deal. So if Bruno Fernando's healthy, I think Maryland's got every chance to win that game because they always have one game against a big team at Xfinity Center where they play lights out. It happens every year. But beyond that, because they're not going to win at Purdue, if they don't win this game, I don't see how they get into the tournament unless they go on a crazy run the rest of the regular season and then in New York at the Big Ten tournament. Yeah, I mean, the way that the schedule has, you know, was built this year, you know, Maryland can, <laughs> has the two games at the end of this month, if they lose both, they're four and seven in the conference. That's why, that's really, to me, why the Indiana loss is so big, because it sets up a potential to be four and seven instead of five and six, mm-hmm. you know, and the February schedule is all really winnable games. Like they, they could well, win all seven and I wouldn't be stunned. I would be a little but... surprised, but uh, uh, yeah, yeah, they can win all seven. I think they can be, they might be favored in all seven. Um, Maybe Nebraska on the road is iffy, but beyond that, they should be favored yeah. in all of them. And so with that, you know, it, it's just, there's still some semblance of a chance, but I oh, think it's a lot harder now. It's got to be, is wild and madness. So Maryland has yeah. every chance to get in with say eight or nine losses, but none of them be bad and have maybe one good win. Yeah, but they need that good win. And that and good win they have can come chance. against Michigan State. It can come against you know, I mean the, the other teams on the road, you know, like Nebraska on the road is okay. Wouldn't, wouldn't be, be a terrible win. Well, there are no terrible win. You know, well, it's uh well. but yeah, no, that that would be probably their best win to this point. I mean Butler is a beast at its home, and Butler isn't the same away. Yep. Um, and and that's Maryland's really only good win. Like second, I think is Minnesota at this point. Yeah, Minnesota. It's, For whatever reason, when I was watching Howie Schwab's uh, bracket things, and I turned on a FS1 game, they had this was Friday. He had Minnesota as an 11 seed and Maryland as a 12. After Maryland had beaten Minnesota, which made no sense. So, uh, good thing that 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 has been rectified. While we realize Howie Schwab is actually their bracketologist. That's the weirdest thing about having to go to FS1 now for Maryland games. And we've gone for like eight of them now. Howie Schwab is a bracketologist. And if you turn the games on three minutes before they start, Cooper Manning is interviewing basketball coaches for reasons we don't quite understand. It's weird. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot, a lot of, a lot of fun stuff going on. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't really have an extra joke. I don't have a joke for this. I feel well, like I should well, have a joke for this. when he was interviewing uh, Steve Wojciechowski, the Marquette coach, he was wearing a, what looked like a chicken hat, which was supposed to be an eagle, but it looked like a chicken. It was really weird, and I'm just sitting there thinking, wait a minute, Cooper Manning is working at FS1, one, and two, he's interviewing coaches with chicken hats on. What, what is going on here? Anyway, these are things that you learn when you're watching uh, Maryland basketball on FS1. What can I say? But this Michigan State game is of the utmost importance. It is the most important game of the season. And as I said before, because 
Students will be back. It's a top 10 team at Xfinity Center, and Maryland plays way differently at home than they do on the road. They have a chance to win that game, even if Bruno Fernando doesn't play because of the environment and the atmosphere and everything that goes on like that. But if Bruno Fernando plays, I think they have a chance to win that game. And if they do, you know, then their season's back on track because then you have a big win you can stake your claim into. And if they're consistent the rest of the way, they still have a chance to make the tournament. But it's getting harder and harder as time is starting to run short on them. Yeah, I mean, I, that's basically the extent of what I wrote this morning was, uh, you know, they have had chances to get good wins. And they just don't really have that. And they're running out of time to get them. Um, and I, I, I don't want to say that there are excuses, but when you lose three of your bigs, your three best bigs, arguably, or three of your best four, you know, what else can you really expect them to do? They just don't yeah, have I mean, the depth. I th the thing is, if they miss the tournament, it's not a referendum on, like, the program and its direction or in Mark Turgeon, this, in spite of what people will tell gods. you. In spite of what people will tell you, if they miss the tournament, it's not, you know, a huge step backwards because in injuries happen. It's This has been the team that's been saddled with the most injuries, you know, that Maryland's had in a while. Um, I, I can safely say that and, since I started following this team, it's the most injuries Maryland's ever had. Yeah, and so what you have to do is you have to just, you know, reload. Recruiting class coming in, transfer coming in at some point, bring most of this team back. I don't know. Well, let's entire, talk like, about that now that we have mentioned it. There is some transfer news I think we should talk about. Let's get the bad one out of first. Moses is going to an area where there's very little water, apparently, UCLA. And we're talking about Moses Brown. I think the longer that we waited to hear the news, the less likely Maryland was to get him. And after losing a recruit to Boston College, what was it a week or two ago, losing Moses Brown to UCLA, while not surprising, is still not very good. Yeah, and it's, it's you know, he's a top 15 in prison. And, you know, he's obviously, you know, you, you, every time you have a chance at a guy like that um, and he goes elsewhere, it stinks. Um, and you know, Moses is mo more than it doesn't, I think. Well, yeah, I mean, that's how recruiting really works. I mean, there's always a few schools in on them, and it's not like everyone's 50-50. You know, Maryland hasn't – there was there was the – not an expectation, but there was a big hope that Maryland in this class would connect on one of the, like, super high five-star targets that it was after, whether that was Quickly or Kelvin Johnson or Moses Brown – even Devon Dotson, um, they did get Jalen Smith, which is no small accomplishment. But, you know, Smith's local. He's got a teammate on Maryland. It's, it's you know, that was, I don't think a ton of people expected him to be the biggest piece of the class. And that doesn't, that shouldn't be a bad thing if he is. But, it you know, you set your expectations in one spot. If you fall short of that. Even if it's good, it's a little disappointing. It always ends up this way with recruiting. And I think, you know, we, we talk about how good Maryland is at recruiting, and they are. But the problem is, it's like they, they set their sights really high. And this is a pivotal recruiting class. And they didn't quite hit those heights. And that, now while it doesn't really set them back, you know, they still have a very good class. And they always find players that turn out to be a lot better than recruiting rankings say. I mean, you know, Melo Trimble was a very good recruit. Anthony Cowan was a very good recruit, you know, but they're not exactly 
Zion Williamson or Duke getting the top three guys in the 2018 class, which is just total insanity and unfair. But Maryland always finds a way to get good players. I mean, Bruno Fernando is a good recruit, but he's not exactly, you know, top five star Marvin Bagley. And he's turned out to be really dang good. So you got I think you have to trust the coaching staff with the way that they have recruited in the past. They always find these players who might be not quite as highly thought of as some of their compatriots. But then it turns out that they're really good anyway. And that is a credit to Mark Durgeon and company for recruiting the way that they have. Yeah, I mean, when earlier in the year, you know, before Jackson got hurt, Maryland's five most reliable players this year were all from the last two recruiting classes. It was Cowan, Herter, Jackson, Morcel, and Fernando. Um, and again, they're none of part of that I is, would call as bad players. Yeah, I mean, and part of that is that not all of the recruits from a couple classes ago, the the Wiley, Nickens, Tchaikovsky class. Well, Tchaikovsky, I think, has been solid, but not spectacular. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and Wiley's been banged up for, like, Ever. seven years. And Nickens, you know, he's a three-point shooter, didn't develop a ton else, has a little bit else now, but, you know, it's... But anyway, the last two recruiting have been, you know, home runs in terms of guys translating those skills to the college game. And you would think I mean, they got with most of that, at least. Out of a complete whim. Mm-hmm. And Fernando kind of came out of nowhere at the time, I thought. Um, and he was like a previous SMU commit. Um, and, you know, more sales from Baltimore. But, you know, the, none of those guys were even top 50 recruits. Um, and they've all become really good college players for how good as he was in high school. I mean, we thought there would be a drop off from mellow Trimble to Anthony Cowan and there really hasn't been. And that's kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, I think a part of that is that Cowan was able to do a lot of his thing last year. Um, but definitely it's been surprising to see that he's been the most reliable player this year because in before the season, everyone talked about Jackson, maybe Herder being that guy. And it's Ben Cowan. Mm, Absolutely. So let's talk about the one player that Maryland is going to be bringing in next year. uh, Schneider Herod. Am I getting that right? Um, I don't, I haven't heard a pronunciation for it. I think it's Schneider Herard. That would would be more likely than what I was saying. Um, well, we're going to have to learn. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll learn it eventually. Um, so let's talk. He was a Mississippi he, State player, and he's, I think, what is he sitting out this year? I would assume he's sitting out this year. Yeah, so he's uh, sitting out this year. He'll sit out. Um, my understanding is that he will be eligible in December. December. So, so, so halfway through the non-conference 2018 games, he will not season. be able to play. Yeah. So when Maryland um, plays UMES and. Well, he'll also miss like the that. two early conference games. Oh, uh, well, hold on a second now. That was only in place because this year the Big Ten tournament's a week earlier. That Those are coming back. next year. No, they're coming back. Oh, are they coming back? Yeah, they announced that last week. Oh, for Christ's sake. <laughs> Damn it, Delaney. Because they're, they're going to 20 games. Oh, that's right, yeah. And they didn't. But, oh, and they were like, well, what do we do with the extra two games? Well, we did the thing in December. Oh, that's still just, oy. okay, fine. Let's hope they're against Illinois and Rutgers. I mean, I don't, I don't hate them. I don't hate him. Oh, it no, does make a schedule weird. deceptively tough. Yeah. Or deceptive, like, it makes a schedule feel tougher than it is. True. Good point. 
Okay, so go go back on. So he'll miss those two games, but after that, he'll be able he'll be eligible for 18 conference games and a few games against Fairleigh Dickinson and the like, probably. Something of the sort. Um, yeah, it'll be after the fall semester. You know, kind of like what the women's team went through with Kristinaki. Which with Maryland um, ends very late, so he might not be eligible until like December 20th or something like that. But he can yeah. practice with the team though. Yeah, absolutely. And I think he is most likely to get on campus sooner rather than later, so you'll start seeing him around. Um, and a as a player, you know, he was a top 50 prospect. He's 6'11", um, good rebounder. You know, didn't he, he's, he came in to Mississippi State kind of raw is my understanding. He hasn't been playing basketball for too long. Um, and Mississippi State both plays kind of small and had a lot of talented bigs. Um, and so he didn't have the extent of a role that he was hoping for. Um, and that's why, you know, he, he decided he wanted out. Maryland needs big man depth. And at the very least, if he's healthy, he will be able to provide that. So absolutely. Uh, it is, it is a good get. It's not is, a, it's no. a good get. It's not the it's not last get. Correct. And I don't think he's supposed, I don't think he was supposed to be like, a Moses Brown replacement. They'll still go after a big in the recruiting class. It would be amazing if they didn't. Uh, you have the, even Bender and him next year. As guarantees to be back. Because Bruno Fernando is still a possibility to go to the NBA draft, though I don't think he's going to declare and go. I think he'll declare and go to the Combine, but I don't think he's actually going to go into the NBA. Uh, they do lose Michael Tchaikovsky, Sean Obi, who... I mean, exists apparently, uh, obviously won't be there. So they need front court depth, and this is one of the places they can get it. And Mark Turgeon with transfers, he finds a way to make them work usually. Now, some of them don't work, and Micah Thomas and Sean Obi haven't worked, but you have to give them credit for trying. It's when you don't hit on some of the recruits, you have to find ways to get players in other ways. And he's found international players and transfers, and many of them have worked. Yep. So, okay, I forgot about Joshua Tamaya. He'll also be back uh, next year. And he's played, I think he's played well for what they're asking him to do. Yeah, no, I'm, as as the resident driver of the Joshua Tamaya bandwagon. I was about to say that. Um, yeah, no, we're, business is doing pretty well. Um, you know, last night was a slow night on our on our end. But, um, you know, he, he got his first career start and, you know, he'll build from there. He's going to be a very important piece next year, too. Absolutely. Uh, but I think yeah, he, he I mean, can definitely grow. He's, he's getting better. Yeah, I mean, he's a big piece this year, too, just because of all the injuries. And yep. it, the to whatever extent that he can realize, you know, he, he's got plenty of potential. To whatever extent he can realize it this year, um, you know, changes Maryland's ceiling quite a bit. Absolutely. So let's go on from depressing basketball to happy basketball. And, Thomas, you follow the women's game very closely. And the one thing we've talked about on this show for years now is how Maryland can beat everybody in the Big Ten except Ohio State. And then last night with nine players, they beat Ohio State by 30. What happened? I still don't know. Um, that, that caught me very much by surprise. I wasn't, you know, I was kind of trying to follow both. You know, I'm a men's basketball beat writer, so that game was going on. Um, you know, I was, I was running the Twitter trying to do a little of everything, but the, so that game, I mean, Maryland just kind of jumped on them early. They shot lights out at the start. 
um, and they were able to frustrate Kelsey Mitchell, who had just 15 points, and she averaged, I think she's averaged like 30 a game against Maryland <laughs> and against pretty much everyone else. She is insane, and Kyla Charles was able to stop her, and Maryland was able to get its shots. Kyla Charles had 32 points against Ohio State, Eliana Kristanaki had 26, including 21 in the first half. Um, and they just – pretty much every player on the team had a good game. You know, and those don't come around often. Um, Especially against a team that is your personal bogey team. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, this was the year that Maryland wasn't even supposed to put up a fight with Ohio State. The last two years, Maryland, you know, has been – Infinitely better teams on paper. Yeah. And Ohio State was able to beat those teams and wasn't able to crack. Like, I was very much caught off guard by not just the result, but the domination. And and I did catch parts of the game, and Maryland just knew what it was doing and was able to throw Ohio State off for a full 40 minutes. I was very surprised. So... I think we've talked about how this is a really tough coaching job for Brenda Freeze because of, I mean, not having all these players, having all the transfers, the big transfers from, you know, last year. And then, I now, losing a player with an ACL injury and then coming back a couple of days later after losing at home to Michigan State, barely beating Indiana, not exactly great teams, and then destroying a team you had not beaten. I don't think Maryland had beaten them since they came into the Big Ten. It was certainly the one they, they beat them. They beat them twice in 2015, uh, including in the Big Ten title game. But that was since. before I got to college. Since yeah, no, they they, they, they were 0-3 against them since. And somehow avoided playing them in the Big Ten tournament twice. I know. That's how Maryland won the last two Big Ten titles. But they just destroyed them here. And to rekindle an old running joke from podcast past, the selection committee hates Maryland. I think Brenda Freeze has compromising pictures. Because how Maryland wasn't in the top 16 for the first release of that behind Ohio State and Rutgers. I know Rutgers is a lot better this year. Totally insane. However, after what has just happened, don't think that's going to be the case in whenever they release it again in a week and a half. Yeah, I mean, t I wasn't actually really surprised to see um, Maryland well, not in the last list. Honest, but it's because... still kind of hilarious when you think about it. Yeah, I mean they were they were 14th in the poll, but I mean their best win was Iowa at home. You know, I mean they just don't have the depth of strength of schedule. Part of that is not even their fault. You know, Miami's having its worst year in a while. Miami was a top, you know, hosted NCAA regional last year. Like, you know, they played South Carolina and UConn in the non-conference. Um, played Miami, played some other schools, and still had, you know, a pretty quiet non-conference schedule. And their their resume just didn't have a ton of quality wins on it, and they haven't played most of the Big Ten's best teams yet. Um, at now least as have. of now, they have, and now they've beaten Ohio State. And I think they'll get. Um, they have two games against Rutgers. Yeah, well, they have a game against Rutgers. I don't think that'll be before. Um, they play February first, so that would be, if my calendar is correct, that's Thursday next week. So that will be during when they release the thing. Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, I think if they beat Northwestern, who's not great, um, then yeah, they'll probably be somewhere in the top 16 would be my guess. Um, I don't know. It, there's, I'm more confident right now than I was last night that they'll have a chance to host uh, the first two rounds. I which, think there's no doubt. Which I think it has to be the, the goal for the team, really. Has to be the goal for the team, I think, because, you know, it's the selection committee has disrespected the Big Ten for a while. And in Maryland in particular, I think there's no yeah. team that embodies how the selection committee has gone against the Big Ten than Maryland every single year. Last year, actually, Michigan. Um, well, yes. Was the third best team in the Big Ten and somehow didn't make the tournament. And then won the NIT easily. Well, that that too. But I mean, Maryland. What were they last year? I think they were a three seed when they yeah they were a three seed. A two. And then in two thousand and what was it? Sixteen. My senior year, your freshman year. I think they were a two seed when they easily could have been a one, and they weren't. And they lost to Kelsey Plum shooting the lights out. So you know they've been not disrespected, but they've been certainly I think embodying outside of that Michigan example how the Big Ten just gets no love from the selection committee every single year, and that's probably going to continue now that Maryland just throttled the conference's best team with nine players and a schedule that's kind of mediocre. Yeah, I mean, to be determined. It's, you know, the Big Ten is better this year than it was last year, for sure. Um, Michigan is still going to be really tough. They still have that game on the road. Yep. It's their penultimate um, game of the season. Yeah, they, they also have another match with Michigan State. Um, mm-hmm. They don't play Ohio State again in the regular season. They have two games um, against but But, yeah, if they if they take care of business most of the rest of the way and, you know, win the big 10 tournament again, I mean, they should, they should almost certainly be hosting, which mm. you'd have to call success. Well, considering they have nine players this year, now that one of them's injured, but they've got another like insane recruiting class coming in. I think it's probably what, is it close to best in the country? Um, I think this one was fourth in the country when on signing day. And pretty much everyone in women's basketball, you know, commits early. So 2018 is pretty much set. But they're adding three top 50 players, top 40 players maybe, next year. And then they have three top 60 players uh, for 2019, um, including one who committed last night during the game. So Brenda Freeze is pretty good at this. Yes. Absolutely. Yes, indeed. So let's talk about now, we've waited 35 minutes to talk about the whole Walt Bell and Matt Canada story. So let's do that now. Uh, we wanted to get the basketball stuff out of the way first. Uh, a quick little inside TV. I mean, I what was it, last Sunday night? Uh, we get a, a buzz from one of our SB Nation colleagues, uh, Bud Elliott from the Florida State and made college site. And they say, you might want to have a Walt Bell draft written up. And what did you do? Did you put like a sad emoji in the chat? When that came up? Um, I don't know if I did. I think someone might have. Someone but I did, did get the draft up. I did have the draft up, and it happened um, two days later. I think Tuesday night. Yeah, right Tuesday after night we and released we were... the show, of course. Yeah. When we had decided that because we hadn't heard anything otherwise that we weren't going to talk about it yet. That's yeah. Always I mean, how it was, works when we record this. It show. went from potentially brewing to happening really quick. Yes. And it's very sad, and we don't want to spend too much time on it because Maryland now has a replacement, but 
to not see what Walt Bell could do with a full-strength Maryland team with an actual quarterback is really kind of sad. And I wanted to know what that would have looked like, and we're never going to know. Maybe we will, because he's going to probably dominate with DeAndre Francois at FSU. And that's a combination that I'm very excited to watch and glad that Maryland's not in the ACC and has to play it all the time. But it's sad that we don't get to see what Walt Bell could have done with a fully formed Maryland offense. Yeah, um, I, I do agree with that. It's, you know, I mean, and as a reporter who got to, you know, do a little press conference with Bell once a week during the season, you know, he's about as much fun as anyone that I've covered, you know, and so. It's that infectious, youthful enthusiasm, you know. Well, I mean, he he loves football so much, and it comes across every time he talks. And you, you just don't get that with a ton of coaches in, you know, press conference settings. Um, he, he, and so I'll miss that, like he apparently. He enjoyed going to press conferences and talking about football. Which, yeah. what coach enjoys going to press conferences? Not a ton, especially, I mean, especially for someone who had to answer questions about quarterbacks every week. Like, who is your quarterback? What are you going to do? Is this quarterback healthy? What do you, yeah. You can't blame him for taking, you know, the, the FSU job. That's one of the best jobs in college football. And if he succeeds, he immediately becomes a head coaching candidate. Now, he could have at Maryland, too. But, I mean, let's be honest. Being the FSU offensive coordinator is a better job than Maryland's offensive coordinator. You know, it's funny, uh, Bell has apparently already turned down a head coaching job um, before he went to Maryland. He was offered the UL Monroe job. This is, like, well, that's this a, is all reported. Thing. This is all reported. Yeah. But, um, I, 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 yeah, again, so he turned that down and came to Maryland. coaching at FSU, he's a head coach somewhere by 2020. Easily. It's, it's not even close. He's going to be a head coach somewhere one day. And we just thought it was going to come directly from Maryland, and now there's a stop in the middle. Uh, but let's now talk about his replacement, who is not somebody that we had mentioned. And it's interesting to see DJ Durkin going outside of his sphere for this, hiring former Pitt and LSU offensive coordinator Matt Canada. Now, when Canada went to LSU for Ed Orgeron, who I'm not going to do an impression of, by the way, even though I desperately want to, but I didn't have enough time to watch his press conference videos to do an impression of him. Uh, Last year didn't go very well at LSU when we thought it was going to go very well with the running backs that they have and the potential talent that they've got uh, on offense. And it, they were, what, 52nd in the country on offense last year? And that's not very good for somebody who, I mean, was really amazing with Pitt of all teams. And, not, you know, we're not talking wide-open Oregon crazy nonsense light years stuff offense. We're talking about Pitt. You know, he was great there. And then had a mediocre year at LSU, got canned, and now is coming to Maryland. That's an interesting career trajectory, and it's a very interesting hire, but you could argue it's the most important since DJ Durkin took the job because this offense, now, if it's healthy, has the potential to take a real step forward. And, well, is Matt Canada the right guy to help this offense take a step forward? I think he's uh, got a really good chance because he's just got a track record of doing it. Um, you know, he was at Northern Illinois, um, not the year that they went to the Orange Bowl, but I think the year before that, uh, where Jordan Lynch, um, you know, was a starter and they won a conference title. Um, then he was the OC and QB coach at Wisconsin and then three years at NC State. 
than Pitt, than LSU the last two years. So, I mean, he's been all over the place, and he's been really solid wherever he's been. And, you know, his offense is a simple one that includes a lot of pre-snap motion. So a lot of simple plays just look different every time. So it's tough for defense to know what's coming. Um, It's the kind of system that I think won't take as much time to really become obvious and, you know, be learned. Um, So I think it's it's definitely an interesting hire, especially because he's coming off a place where he didn't necessarily succeed. But I think because of the talent that Maryland has at a lot of the skill positions, running back in particular, um, and the potential that it has a quarterback. I think, you know, this has really, really high upside. It has high upside, and especially because the barometer for success at Maryland is not the barometer at LSU in any way, shape, or form. It's much more like the barometer at Pitt. So if he does anything like he did at Pitt, Maryland's probably going to be very happy. Now, there are things that we must say about him. I was talking to our friend Alex Kirsner about it, obviously. He knows more about college football than most of us do, and it's Pitt. And if you want to ask anybody about Pitt Panthers football, you ask Alex. He has the reputation of being, I'm going to paraphrase, not the nicest man in the world. It's a reputation that apparently precedes him. And when you see how many jobs he's hopped around, maybe that has something to do with it. But... If we're going for short-term gain here, and that's what Maryland kind of has to do because they lost their offensive coordinator so late in the game, it's probably the best that they could have reasonably asked for right now because everybody else in the DJ Durkin sphere, and Jed Fish, God forbid I ever have to watch a team of his uh, play again, uh, some other guys who DJ Durkin might have known, were probably not as surefire things as Matt Canada is. Yeah, um... You know, he didn't necessarily get along with Orgeron is what, you know, has been written out there. And that's why they didn't work, even though he had a three-year contract and was, like, pretty handsomely paid at LSU. I think they made him the highest-paid offensive coordinator in college football. He's not going to be that at Maryland, but that buyout. Yeah. Um, And so, you know, obviously when when you bring someone in, you know, you get along at that point. Um, It's to be seen how, how well it works um, on, you know, just the relationships level. I mean, how he gets along with Dirk and the other coaches, um, how he gets along with the players, I'm not sure. It's interesting but because, you know, the, this is an essentially entirely real bolt offensive coaching staff. Maybe it kind of helps that it's a semi-clean break because they lost, what, running backs coach, OC, I think Walt Bell was also the QB coach, and O-line coach. Was. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah, a clean only break. Chris Beatty and Pete Lembo as the tight ends coach are still in place. But that's it. Yeah, I mean, but I think with, I don't think it'll be too much of a departure for the guys. You know, it, it's a different offense, but I, again, it's I think it's one that's, you know, not going to take too much time to adjust to. And I think you can open it up more because at LSU, there's an expectation of what your offense kind of has to look like. And at Maryland, there's no expectation of what the offense has to look like other than it being good. Yeah. 
Yeah, and the and quarterback has both knees again, functioning. And... When you talk about where he's been, I mean, Wisconsin's never known for crazy good offenses, but NC State and Pitt are Maryland's level, and expectations there are quite different than they are pretty much everywhere in the SEC. So I think this has a chance to succeed. It might not, and if it does it succeed, then DJ Durkin now has a few issues. But if it succeeds, then I think that this team isn't going to really miss a beat. No, I mean, it's, you know, they, they lost Bell and brought in someone with a longer and, like, more impressive track record. So, you know, I don't think you can call this a disappointment. Or, oh. No. Uh, and in terms of him recruiting, uh, he has recruiting connections in the South. I don't know how that plays in with what Maryland's trying to do, but... Uh, I don't think Walt Bell was the point guy on a lot of recruits personally, uh, from what I remember. But you might know more about that. A couple of the Georgia guys, um, Malik Bryant, who was like one of the two unsigned commits, uh, Bell was his lead recruiter. Oh, uh, okay. And, so that makes sense. And Malik Bryant decommitted. Um, he was, yeah, I mean, the other Georgia guys, like uh, Chigozi Mokonkwo, he was the lead guy on him. Um, so that's kind of where Bell's connections were, but you know they still have Chris Beatty, who's the ace in Virginia, and they still have Azar Abdul-Rahim, who's the ace in D.C. and Maryland. Um, so you know, as long as you have those guys, you'll be pretty much set in those areas. I don't happen to know currently where Canada's best connections are, but I guess we'll find out. I've heard that they're in the South, which makes sense, but. I would assume, I mean, DJ Dirk is already pretty good as a recruiter in Florida. So, I mean, they don't have to really recruit the South that well to be super successful. But, you know, they, it's still DMV to UMD and Virginia, you know, the tidewater that makes Maryland successful. But Canada certainly can help. And he's going to get a lot of credit if uh, Maryland's offense succeeds this year. And he has a chance to hit the ground running because Maryland has two good quarterbacks and seven good running backs. So, well, it feels like they have seven good running backs. Some of them could be wide receivers by the end of it. The thing that I'm going to miss the most with uh, Walt Bell was the thing that endeared me to him immediately is on Twitter when Maryland cinched a recruit, he tweeted Cowabunga. That was great. Yeah, yeah. That's... Canada's not going to do that. I do wonder what Bell's going to do. Like, he's definitely not doing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles again. Uh, and if you tweet something that's racially insensitive because it's FSU, it could be a bit dicey. You might just tweet plant yeah, I mean, or I'm something. Just... I, I don't know what he does with it. I'm, that that was one of the things that, like, immediately when you saw him say these things on Twitter, it's just like, this guy's awesome. It's like, who's going to do that on Twitter? If they get a, a, a recruit, they're going to tweet something from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. That's just cool. And that, I mean, that just shows you he's in his 30s, but he has, like, in a good way, he's always just feels like he's young, and that, I'm going to miss that. Because Matt Cannon could be great, but Walt Bell was just entertaining as all hell, and I hope he succeeds at Florida State, because then he'll be a head coach somewhere. And hopefully it's not in the Big Ten, but just in ways that we can enjoy what he brings. And he, he was a, great, a good enough guy that you don't feel, like, bitter that he left. You know, you wanted him to succeed. And you knew he wasn't long for Maryland because of his career aspirations. Yeah, agreed. Um, it feels, you know, 
he got an opportunity. I was surprised he got, and it's it's one of those that he, you know, I think will give up play calling to be at Florida State. Yep. Um, and if the if the money's equal, it's it's an interesting sort of balance with prestige versus uh, play calling and that sort of power. Um, I'm guessing the money wasn't equal, and it you you, you know at Florida State especially. Um, I don't know the what the contract situation is going to be with Canada, but, you know, I, I do think that, you know, I think pretty much everyone came away winners here, which doesn't happen a ton. Well, even though it's sad and Maryland sports is normally fairly depressing, uh, eh, they've got out of it the best that they could. And uh, it's not going to change much for this signing day period, which is coming up on February the 6th or something like that. But we'll see how this works out as we go along the spring game in April, and there will be recruiting news, and we will see where it goes. But Matt Canada is Maryland's new offensive coordinator. As we record this, it hasn't been officially announced, but we can tell you reliably it's probably going to happen with every bit of reporting that has been done on it. So just a matter of when, not if, we would say. But maybe this podcast will jinx it. Hopefully not. Anyway, that's all we have to say about this show. Uh, Hopefully you enjoyed it, and hopefully you are not now thinking more about Red Panda than you are about Maryland sports. Yeah, yeah, hope not. Hope not. That's, uh, I don't know, Do maybe Maryland sports to give you something to be happy about. Um, probably not. But, I don't know. Uh, you know what? Uh, it, it, might get some, it might get some hits, man. We could break down her performances. We could get, like, tape. We could have somebody use, like, a, a telestrator to do the tape on the performances. Yeah, we'll see. Um, not? I'll, I think it's a fun idea. I'll talk to the other guys about that, and we'll figure it out. Absolutely. So uh, we will be back next week, hopefully, when we can talk about happier Maryland basketball-related things than we've been talking about recently. And who knows? There might be other news that comes out of the ether, like Walt Bell kind of did, and then Matt Canada certainly did. But hopefully you enjoy the show. Uh, enjoy your week ahead. Without Maryland basketball, it will probably be a much more calm and contemplative week as opposed to me throwing my remote control around last night. But until then, of course, the turns.